Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to the COB. It is the 28th of January. I'm Nadine Blaney. Great to be here with you on what was a really shocking day for the local market. Scotty, I don't want to be dramatic. Oh, hey, Scotty, how are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Good, thanks. Um, yeah, don't like being dramatic. Don't like putting the bloodbath and all of that kind of stuff out there when we've had sort of one day of really pronounced selling followed on by a negative day or following a negative day yesterday. But it was, it was a pretty damaging day. One-tenth of the X2C... Uh, only one-tenth of the X2C was actually in positive territory today. Yeah, it tells a story. The, uh, the largest uh, decline for the index level uh, in four months. But to be honest, we're coming from 11-month uh, no, highs, uh, very, very lofty levels. And uh, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago about the need for a correction to go and actually go higher. So from my perspective, for the, uh, the longevity of the rally, I'm actually pleased to see a bit of a sell-off. It, uh, it uh, gets more renewal, gets more people involved in the, uh, the process uh, rather than just uh, trying to go and wait uh, for something to go and happen, it's actually happening now. Yeah. So, uh, if it happens now, what do you th- see? Think may see this become a more pronounced uh, sell-off, uh, potentially even bringing us, you know, toward a cor- correction. I mean, is that just too inflammatory as well to say the word correction? I think uh, correction is probably still a, a stretch at this time. Like, I cannot see a ten percent correction mm-hmm. I just, at this stage. You know, given the uh, what we've seen over the past uh, not only a few months, but I know realistically the past twelve years, with the odd exception, the one uh, Black Swan event as well, uh, it has been really few and far between. So, in order for that to go and take place, you're going to really have to see. Uh, deterioration in the macro backdrop. So that's going to be uh, severe disruptions when it comes to the rollout of the vaccine. Proof that the vaccine does not stop the spread. Uh, people are still being fearful to go out. Uh, that would be the two things that I'll be really looking for. From a, a market mechanics perspective, it comes down to the bond market once again. If we see that, yeah. uh, we see the uh, yield start to go and, uh, and drift higher or do it at a rather rapid clip, that will be easily enough to go and spark a 10% plus correction for these, uh, these stock markets. Okay, but we're not there yet. There were some winners. TWE, Treasury Wine Estates, was up by 6%. Invocare. Well, let's go there then. Invocare was actually the stock of the day today, finishing up by 5.5% on no news. Kashi sat down with his guest hosts, Julia Lee from Berman Invest and Nathan Samasandram from Deep Data Analytics to find out what they think, not just of Invocare on a day that its share price is moving higher, but Invocare from uh, a top-down view. This one is uh, one that investors and traders tend to play as a reopening trade Uh. because it means they'll be able to make more money per head as the lockdowns lift and people are able to actually attend funerals. And of course, after COVID-19 and after the vaccine, you know, we might go back to our old habits of not washing yep. our hands. And the number of people who've also put off going to the doctor so things get diagnosed later as well. Right. But generally, death is usually quite a stable cash flow defensive 
type of business. So Invocare probably benefiting from being a defensive type of business. Would you be buying it at these levels? Uh, no. no. Not no. for you? No, I mean, you know, you, you usually get go into a company like Invocare for the yield. Um, yeah. If I was looking for a reopening trade, I'd be looking at something more exciting right. um, to put in okay. my bottom drawer. Yeah, I'm not dying to get into this one. Uh, the recent move in the last bounce that you're seeing today is actually linked to the um, what's happened in the US where uh, the retail money has squeezed the short covering and that's popped it. So if you look at the top 10 short stocks in Australia, um, you've got your tassel, which is one of my plays at the moment, which I thought will happen to. It's getting short squeezed. So is in Ingham Chicken, so is um, Invocare. All of these guys mm. are getting squeezed because the liquidity isn't great. And there's, I think, somewhere around 10 to 15% short in most of these cases. And you want to, if everyone's trying to get out at the same time, you're going to push up the price. So clearly that was Nathan finishing off those thoughts on Invocare there. Julia Lee from Berman Invest before that. But uh, I don't want to repeat any of the puns that uh, always travel around when talking about Invocare. Let's just say neither one of those uh, investors are really that excited by the prospect of getting into IVC. Yeah, a little bit cold towards the prospects. But, mm. uh, but uh, look, another thing interesting with Invocare and an, another or a number of the stocks that uh, really outperformed today was that they were all on the most uh, shorter list on the yeah. ASX. So uh, really interesting. We don't have, of course, Robinhood. We don't have the, uh, the, the, the fee-free or brokerage fee mm -hmm. trading platforms that they have in the United States. But I wonder whether uh, some of the short sellers who had positions on just saw what was going on and said it ain't worth We're it. We're not worth the risk, Yeah, right? absolutely, because uh, if it, they got involved, like some of those names too, pretty illiquid in nature, and you get that churn going like they're seeing on Wall Street bets and they're like, my goodness, it oh, would yeah. be, it'll be painful. And look, nothing like Wall Street bets or the Reddit groups here in Australia, but we do have lots of Facebook groups, lots of Twitter groups, lots of um, hot copperish kind of groups going around. And look, the regulators here are keeping an eye on them as well. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> going to be a very interesting spot to keep an eye on because uh, the idea of free markets uh, is one, but then uh, actively uh, promoting uh, manipulation of stock price and everything else. Um, you can't have that in an equity market. It's about the effective allocation of funds to productive enterprises. That's what the whole basis of, uh, of stock markets are. It is not a mechanism to gamble. Uh, and at the moment, uh, parts of the stock market are Feeling resembling... Feeling a little casino-ish. Yeah, it does. It, it literally feels like I'm going out of the track and going to report about you know, how race seven horse number two went. Well, um, let's leave that there for now. One of the worst performers today was Western Areas. Actually, it was the worst performer on the 200. FY21 output being seen at the low end of the guidance range. Not good to miss your guidance. And the costs at the high end. Double whammy seeing that share price down by 8 uh, that brings me to reporting season. I'm giving it a lot of thought. You know, we're ramping up. I've just booked in a few guests for next week, believe it or not, on their half-yearly reports. And uh, interesting, we had a conversation with Andrew Tang, co-head of investment strategy at Morgan's earlier today, and he's pointing to the Australian dollar. Yeah, it got hammered overnight, still though around 8% higher than it was throughout all of FY20. So he says that it could have a pretty outsized impact on reporting season going forward. Yeah, and not just negative impact as well. A very uh, positive about some of those uh, sectors and names that uh, rely upon importing the goods, uh, particularly the, uh, the retail space. He seemed pretty optimistic about that one there. Yeah, if you want to hear what else he has to say, you can listen to that interview via the show notes. We've got a, well, we've got a whole 
raft of great interviews up on the site. One, um, one person I always really enjoy speaking with is Bob Desmond. He's head of international equities at Evans and Partners. Look, U.S. earnings season is going strong. That's his wheelhouse. If you'd like to hear Bob weigh in on some of those reports that have come through, Microsoft uh, comes to mind. And uh, he also shares his views on GameStop this week. So Bob Desmond. Yeah, I'm not going to give it away. And uh, you can also go, he'll answer whether this time is different. Right. Okay. Good one. Um, okay. So let's talk FOMC. That's one thing we haven't touched upon. Uh, not talking about tapering. Too early to talk about tapering. But a lot of Fed speakers lately have been asked and have been talking about tapering. Anything that they can do to avoid a repeat of 2013 uh, is front of mind at the Fed. Yeah, they've uh, put it uh, in writing that uh, they need to see substantial progress till their, uh, their dual mandate of employment, full employment and uh, inflation around about 2%, averaging around 2%. Uh, so, look, uh, Chairman Powell was pretty uh, sober about uh, you know, near-term prospects for the US economy, but was talking about a strong rebound in the second half of the year. And I reckon it's on like Donkey Kong. At some point, uh, the Fed is going to have to start priming these markets to go and pull back those asset purchases. And I remember way back to 2013 when... Uh, you must have been like 10, no? I was a respectable uh, institutional <laughs> no. trader. What are you talking about? No. I was, I was, it was I, a compliment. It was a backhanded compliment, I was, No, I it was. I wasn't like Doogie Howser, MD. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to be uh, taking my holiday break. But I remember sitting at uh, the Singapore Airlines Lounge and I was watching Ben Bernanke. Couldn't hear what he was saying, but I was kind of like, you know, I had a couple of champagnes and whatever. Yeah. And I remember just getting off the plane. I was specifically told work, do not contact me during my holidays. I just want to go and completely take a disconnect from work. And I get off the plane at uh, Changi and then I turn my phone on and there's like, message, message, message. Oh, yeah, this order's been filled, this order's been filled. This. And I looked and looked at the screen. I was like, holy dooly, like all these markets have been absolutely just cascading lower. And I was like, what, what did Bernanke said? Oh, and he said that uh, they might start tapering asset purchases. And I'm like, yeah, but they've been talking about this for months. And that's the point. The market can go and say, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, at some point, I oh, know that it'll be priced in everything else. But everything gets left to the last minute nowadays, I find. So when you, you, there'll be this moment where... The Fed will go and touch upon it and it'll be the sudden shock and there'll be the jackknife higher in yields and we'll see the same reaction. And I wonder if it's going to be bigger this time because we have asset valuations are so dependent on low interest rates. Yep. So um, also I think in the mix is people only hear what they want to hear. They don't hear what they don't want to hear. So there you go. And uh, of course, all roads, as I keep repeating, leading back to... Bond market. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the taper tantrum, Mark. Too. It's gonna. It's gonna. <laughs> you just see his face right now, people. It's coming, everyone. So be prepared. Also, I learned today that uh, Scotty drinks champagne in airport lounges. I don't know if I would have picked that one. Beer. And it was. It was whiskey. rather early in the morning too. <laughs> All right, we forgive you then. Uh, look, we get jobless claims tonight. That's the other thing. You know, Jay Powell. I've said it a couple of times on air. I don't want to make anybody sick of it, but just such a sign of the times that he was asked about GameStop first up. When, of course, there are millions upon millions upon millions of Americans still out of work. I've got to see J-Pal. Yeah, it's like on the beard. I was buying a couple of out-of-the-money you know, calls at, uh, at 240 you know, February expiry. Oh, Imagine. But also, <laughs> you know, no bubbles in these asset prices or, or it's, not, it's not our problem. Uh, Carl Tannenbaum from Northern Trust, he used to work at the Fed. He talks through their thinking on uh, asset prices at this time. And, of course, how they are likely viewing the scenario. That will be, or it is, up on the website or the app. Um, look, so jobless claims tonight, U.S. GDP. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how home sales go. Of course, we've seen a weakening in some data points. Not in others, though. 
Yeah, the uh, housing market's been very strong. The initial jobless claims are still at horrible levels, uh, despite what you're, uh, you're hearing about the improvement that uh, we no doubt reported if we do see a small decline uh, in the latest sample. Be careful as well at this time of year. Seasonality is very difficult to go and read too much into the, jam the jobless claims data. But it is really interesting that industrial side of the economy, the housing side, very responsive to, uh, to lower interest rates, which is, I know, fantastic. It shows that monetary policy still works. Uh, but when it comes to even the Q4 uh, no, advance reading, which is based off about, uh, no, uh, I think two-thirds of it is based off assessments. No, so uh, historical precedents. That, so you've got to be very careful reading too much into it. Uh, but it's already ancient news. The, the, the economy and the story which we're dealing with at the moment is changing by the hour. So uh, whilst it will go and give us a read as to what happened in, uh, in calendar year 2020, uh, the story is very much about uh, forward-looking indicators at this point. Okay, tomorrow, great guest lineup. I know I say that all the time. It's I, I, I really think it is, though. Brian Nick, Chief Investment Strategist at Nuveen, kicks it off in the morning. Matt Gertkin, Chief Geopolitical Strategist at BCA. Uh, we will be also speaking with the founder and joint CEO of Prospa, was out with a bit of news today. Total originations increasing 26% on quarter, so it gives you some insight into the state of the economy and borrowing. Kate Howitt from Fidelity International will be joining us at 1.10 p.m. And we will as well be touching on that U.S. quarterly reporting season from an Australian perspective with Mick Farrell, CEO of ResMed. He's always very generous with his time, but it'll be interesting to hear from him any impact of the Australian dollar bringing this conversation full circle. And tomorrow is Friday, the first Friday that we get to crack a, well, in your case, Scotty, have a champers, perhaps have a red, crack a beer with you for the last call it's a bit of a, a bit of a fun thing we we have a drink we talk about the week that was in markets take a look at the week ahead i don't discriminate when it comes to drinks and uh, i don't discriminate who i go and have a drink with so i'm looking forward to it it's, <laughs> always, it's always fun so looking forward to having a powwow with koshi and the team and uh, we'll see what's going on yeah um just just one small thing before we go we have an a subscriber survey going on uh, we would love if you could take five seven minutes out of your time Fill it out. You can access it via our website, osbiz.com.au. Scroll down until you see a little blue box that says, take our subscriber survey. We know your time is valuable. There's a little bit of an incentive there from our friends at Superhero. Uh, you could go in a draw to win one of two 2,000 Superhero wallets. Um, look, we just all we want to do is know a little bit more about what you like, what you want, what to he you want to hear more about, and just rate us. I mean, we've got pretty thick skin. Tell us what you really think of what we're doing. Make Ausbiz even better. Even better. I like your turn of phrase there. Scuddy, um, let's do it tomorrow, shall we? So that we'll see you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.